Hey, this is Jacqueline Kitzman uh, <clears throat> chiming in before the episode to to kind of chime in with some current events that have happened since I recorded the episode. So you'll still kind of have some of the current events that were happening at the time that I recorded this episode because of just everything going on like two weeks ago now, which I apologize for. Thank you all for being very patient. Um, things will come out more stable soon. However, there are some things that have happened since. Um, the first thing is that in the episode, I do talk about um, Palestinians, those who live in the Gaza Strip that had been forced towards Rafa, um, that Israel or the IDF was planning a ground invasion and to bomb Rafa. Since that time that that episode was recorded, that has started. I don't have I, 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 I truly don't have words. This is the area that the IDF told them to go to and they did. And now all of these people who have been living in essentially tents and under pieces of plastic for months on end who have been, you know, went where they were told to go where they would be safe, um, who have already been displaced <laughs> are now being bombed at. Um, so basically, like IDF has succeeded in their, you know, ethnic cleansing and genocide of pushing the Palestinians completely into like an enclosed space no longer in the Gaza Strip. It's it's horrifying. It's it's a genocide. It needs to stop. So this has happened. Um, there was also a shooting at the Kansas City um, Super Bowl parade. Um, I believe that as of the last update, I, I have seen there are 30 people injured. One person, one person um, passed away. Um, from my understanding, they did take in two to three people who were responsible for the incident into custody. It's just like, I don't like we, we, we shouldn't have to live in fear of going to parades or malls or school. And we do. I believe there's been over 48 mass shootings in the U.S. this year, and it's February. Uh, another piece of news to catch you all up on is that um, earlier this week, there was a lot of hullabaloo in Congress, just like in, in, in the U.S., because uh, at first we were told that some sort of country is doing something dire that the big eight in the U.S., basically the top security officials, all eight of them, needed to get together to declassify to let people know what was going on because whatever was happening is pretty dire, though not an immediate thing, has grave consequences. And then a couple hours later came out that Russia, um, who has been waging an attack on Ukraine uh, now for over two years, it has. Um, and I think if you if you all remember back long enough, I talked about how Russia was pulling out of a nuclear treaty deal that it had made with the U.S. to prevent them from making more nuclear weapons. Russia pulled out of that. Who even knows if they were following that in the first place? Perhaps not. But they want to put nuclear weapons in space. If that sounds like a bad joke, like they do, they want to put nuclear weapons in space so that it um, can attack U.S. spy satellites. And that is not super great. It is highly not good. That came out this week. And I just think it's something to pay attention to. It's just very interesting things happening in the news. There is also um, an email from one of one of my followers on the podcast that is incredibly important and I need to do more research on it. So I want to let um, Felicia know, hi, Felicia, that I am doing more research on it. Um, she says, I recently saw some brief news on a civil war going on in my Myanmar, Myanmar. Um, there has been a severe genocide going on that isn't mentioned in the extent of the Gaza Strip or Ukraine. 
Um, she just wanted to bring this to my attention to see if I knew any reliable sources to find dependable information. So I want to make sure that I get this into the current event section because I love it when people bring things to my attention that I, I'm not aware about going on. So my testament for the next episode is to be doing more research on what's going on, just bringing it to everybody's attention now. Um, if you ever have stuff like this, things that I've missed, things I haven't talked about that you think that I should be like that I should be talking about or bringing awareness to, please give, send me an email or reach out to me. I very much welcome these types of things. I think they're very important and I am going to be actively for the next episode looking into what's going on in Myanmar. Um, all of that being said, I hope that you enjoy the episode as well as just getting to talk about the Wheel of Fortune. It's a super important card and goodbye. So jumping into the card now, we are talking about the Wheel of Fortune. Um, last week, we talked about the Hermit. Obviously, the Wheel of Fortune is card 10 in the Major Arcana. I'm sorry, I keep itching my nose. I get like really, really fucking itchy under my nose. Regardless, um, we have, we're talking about the Wheel of Fortune. That's card 10 in the Major Arcana. 10s are about as far as we can get with numerology. Uh, and then we kind of go back and break down the numbers. And I'll, I'll discuss that once we talk about justice the next time this podcast comes out. I do really quick want to just tap on the fact that, again, Gabriel and I are moving and things are a little bit up in the air right now. Like, for one, this episode was supposed to come out last week and it's coming out this week. And I am me. And that's all I can say about that. Uh, I'm trying my very best to get everything done. Um, it's just a lot. And there's a lot going on and a lot behind the scenes that I'm not talking about, obviously, on air and it's just there's a lot going on right now patreon is being updated i recorded an entire philosophical monologue on what i think magic is or how i think it fits into my life and our, our lives and science and all of that and uh, that'll be up on patreon this afternoon so that's really exciting i'm excited about that i recorded it while cleaning up my closet yesterday so it'll just be so adhd it's not funny uh or it is funny in which case you're welcome okay so Let's first break down what this card looks like. This is one of the cards that is so funny to me, and I'll, I'll kind of tap that at the bottom uh, because I talked about this a lot when I covered the Wheel of Fortune on, I think it was like season two or something like that. Uh, this card is so funny to me. So it's got the big orange wheel with a lot of different like elemental text in there. There's elemental, sim um, elemental symbols. There is letters from the Torah in there. Um, there are little elemental figures. So there is the four fixed signs of the Zodiac in the corners. You've also got this little snake, which is, I believe, the little snake that symbol, like, I think it's like, is it a pothos from Egyptian mythology that's like, will eat, will like eat the world and swallow the sun. Snakes are pretty common in a lot of different religious, like, icon, iconography. I can, I, that word that I'm talking about symbolism. There we go. The source. And, um, it, it basically stands for like infinity and the universe and sometimes fate. So that's very interesting. You've also got the Sphinx on top, sitting on top of the wheel. Um, and it kind of with a sword, which kind of symbolizes like there's a balance and karmic energy and wisdom and all of that. So there's a lot going on in this card. It is heavy, heavy, heavy in religious iconography. That is the fucking word. I got it. Cell five. Um, so what we'll do right now is we'll kind of talk a little bit about like the nature of this card. A lot of times people will view this as good luck, bad luck. And I don't read it that way. I don't read it that way. And I'll dig more into that when I get to my section of things, because it's a fucking wheel. There's no up, there's no upright and there's no reverse on a wheel. It's all just round. 
this basic geometry. It could be wrong because I did kind of fail geometry like both times I took it, but it's round. Um, so, and I think it goes deeper in to the, then just like good luck, bad luck, good things are going to happen to you. Bad things are going to happen to you. I do think that fate and energy and the domino effect, the butterfly effect does like primarily like show up in this card or it does have like a, not primarily, that's the wrong word, but it does have, a, there's a component or a facet of that in this card, but it's just not the overall meaning of this card. Cause I think it can be really scary to pull this card and all of a sudden it's like reverse and you're like oh shit bad luck six more weeks of winter um when in reality this card is so much more than just having good fortune or bad fortune just because that's in the name doesn't mean that that's you know when you think of a wheel of fortune it's it's not just like half bad half good things that happen a lot of times it's like it's like you win ten dollars you get a microwave tv like there's so many different things that could happen that narrowing it down to just good and bad is a very human binary way of thinking and doesn't just it just doesn't fit with the energy of the card especially because this is card 10 in the major arcana and how i teach tens in the tarot is that tens are a card of like completion cards ace through ten in the minor arcana are very i consider them like a state of mastery with the ace and then by the time you get to the court cards you're in the process of different ways of using that ace um and i think that the 10 here which also is like i think i believe it's like almost dead center of the death line i think it's important here to kind of recognize and have this idea that this is a full circle moment of sorts in fact it is so heavy in that that when you get to the world the world card and this card both have the fixed signs in the in the corners they both have a big circle in the middle they both have something dancing on top of it um i also forgot to mention in in this that this anubis is whole in fact holding up this wheel with its booty and i just i i never figured out why it was painted that way i did try really hard i did a lot of research don't don't google anubis holding the wheel of fortune in its butt you will pour, pull up strange strange only fans content it's just how it is good for them capitalizing on something like that. Um, so anyway, so that's the wheel. What we are going to do now is uh, I read what Arthur, what misogynistic shit Arthur Edward Waite had to say about this card. And I put a bookmark in it here because I'm smart. All right. Again, this is the pictorial key to the tarot written by Arthur Edward Waite. Um, he kind of goes into how he saw the cards and what he kind of wanted the symbolism to be like. And this is where we kind of talk about the evolution of the card, its meanings way back when, and then it's and then its meanings now. So the pictorial key to the tarot. Wheel of Fortune. In this symbol, I have again followed the reconstruction of the Eliphas Levi, who has furnished several variants. It is legitimate, as I have and as I have intimated, to use Egyptian symbolism when this serves our purpose, provided that no theory of origin is implied therein. Uh, he's basically like, it's appropriative, but it's okay. Um, provided that no theory of origin is implied therein. I have, however, presented Typhon in his serpent form. Oh, yeah, okay, Typhon, not Apophos. There we go. The symbolism is, of course, not exclusively Egyptian, as the four living creatures of Ezekiel occupy the angles of the card, and the wheel itself follows other indications of Levi in respect of Ezekiel's vision, as illustrative of the particular tarot key. With the French occultist and in the design itself, the symbolic picture stands for the perpetual motion of fluidic universe and for the flux of human life. The sphinx is the equilibrium therein. The transliteration of Tarot as rota is inscribed in the wheel. 
counterchanged with the letters of the divine name to shew that providence is implied through all. But this is the divine intention. I gotta turn a page. I got one hand here. This is my microphone that I use. It's not, listen, we're not high tech in this house, okay? Oh. And the similar intention without is exemplified by the four living creatures. Sometimes the Sphinx is represented Kuchant, Kuchant, C-O-U-C-H-A-N-T, on a pedestal above, which defrauds the symbolism by stultifying the essential idea of stability amidst movement. Behind the general notion expressed in the symbol, there lies the denial of chance and the fatality which is implied therein. It may be added that from the days of Levi onward, the occult explanations of this card are even are, even for the occultism itself, of a singularly fatuitous kind. It has been said that to mean principle, fecundity, viral, honor, ruling, authority, etc., the findings of common fortune-telling are better than this on their own plane. Okay, so kind of essentially what he's throwing out there is he's weaving in the idea of fate, the invisible string theory, if you will, um, kind of tying in this idea of like, end of days, like hearkening to the end of something, which again is that 10, that full circle moment. And again, we find this card in the death line and that's important. So you've got these kind of like important little ideas that are essentially like, we are all divine. We are all going towards an ending. We all kind of are harpooning ourselves towards death all the time. There's good luck and there's bad luck. Um, I stole this from the Egyptians, but it's not exclusively Egyptian. So in reality, I appropriated a lot of different mythologies and religions. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of that going on here. Let's get into what this means upright and, and, and in reverse. So upright, we've got good fortune, good luck. And then up and then in reverse, like I said, it's just bad luck, bad timing, unfortunate circumstances. That's not how I read it. So at this point in the podcast, what I do is I go in through and I wrote some workbooks. I wrote life, death, rebirth workbooks. I've also written a workbook on the triads and the major arcana. I've also got workbooks on being written on the cups, the wands, the pentacles and the swords talking about and talking through those different things. So um, I've got in a workbook on intuition. So if you're interested in any of that, please reach out. I send them out for free. They are also on my Patreon as well. So for people who are on Patreon, you can always go back and access this. Many of them are in PDF form, so you can do pretty much whatever you want. Um, or if you have a friend that has one, I don't care if they send them out, whatever. Um, they're for everyone. But this is what I wrote on the Wheel of Fortune in my Deathline workbook. In the soul's journey, to enter the wheel is to completely recognize that you have given over control. Here we learn the biggest life lesson, time. Consider time. In the wheel, we see time as a perfect circle that spins as we slowly dissolve what we were. We're allowing our environment to mold us from nothing into something else. We churn here and evolve. Upright or reversed, this card always speaks to our concept of how long the process of evolution takes. We learn the lessons of iterations past, realizing that all of us, all our pieces, are operating at the same time. All of us cogs on the same wheel, and we see the connectivity, the synchronicity, this is the one piece of the chariot we kept, a memento of where we were and where we've chosen to go now. Questions. How does time move for us? In what way is our current iteration paying respects to the past? In what way is our current iteration, iteration paying respects to the future? In what way can we use these lessons to mold our present and how can we use that energy to spark evolution? 
So that's how I read the tarot. It's very heavy in being able to see where we were, see the butterfly effect, see where we're going. We keep this from the chariot. We took this with us to build a new car to take us new places. And it's not so much about upright and reversed as it is about moving forward. It's about seeing how going backwards doesn't always help. We can take the lessons from the past and use them to do things for the future. Um, but with the understanding that even if we do decide to go back to something, we're doing it from a new place. We're doing it from an educated place or a place of better understanding. Like a really good example of this would be this card coming up because you've gotten back together with an ex. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you might see this card and be like, I don't get it. What does the wheel mean here? And what it's saying is like, if you're going to make this work, you have to do something different. You've gone back, but you don't have to do things the same. And that, and that can be for anything. This can be for people who have really, in my case, this could be for people who have really struggled with disordered eating in the past. And then they make the decision to go back to the gym, a place that was once really not a positive environment for them. But this time now they have the tools to go back and do it right. Or, or even just know when too much is too much and they need to, they need to leave and they need to, they need to re recalibrate or reassess how their mental health is doing. Um, the wheel comes up for us in this way. It's not so much about good luck and bad luck. It's kind of a, hey, like we are moving forward here. How can we continue to do that in a new way, in a way that more aligns with our, our goals? It also asks us to consider the timing of things. Like if something's not happening and we're still pushing forward, like we have this fear, like I live in this place we have this hope and this fear. They coincide of like, I live here. My whole life is here. What happens if I move? Like in our case, we're moving and it feels a little bit like going backwards. I'm going to be making less money. I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be feeling like I'm not, <laughs> I'm going to be feeling like I'm going backwards. And in a lot of ways though, like I'm moving forwards and our family is moving forwards and we're making this decision because we really can't afford to live in Nashville anymore. So, <laughs> um, you know, like we're making this decision so that we can eventually buy a home and have equity and all of that. And it's, but it, but it feels a little bit like going, going backwards. And, um, but I have, but I have a different mind this time and a different brain and different intentions. And so that's kind of like the, the miracle here of the wheel. I also want to point out that in the story of the death line, this is what I would lovingly refer to as being in the goo. Um, you know, I use that, that metaphor when I talked about and did my death light episode of kind of melting down and in the, in the hermit, you make the chrysalis, but in the wheel, this is where you really dissolve and turn into goo and you're just changing. You don't, you're evolving. You don't really know. It's this whole meta metamorphosis process of like, I'm liquid now I'm in a, I'm in a completely different state. I may be doing what I was doing before, but I have a completely changed thing. This is a full circle moment because you're not what you were. In fact, you're something else. Um, you're in the same place. You just don't know it, but you're completely evolving and changing into a different thing. And that's the beauty of this card is that I think sometimes when we do pull this wheel, we're kind of like, well, shouldn't I have some shit figured out? It's a 10. When in reality, the 10 here is just saying like, this is a full circle moment of you being in, being in an in-between. Like you are no longer a caterpillar and you're not yet a butterfly. You are goo. So what are you going to do in the change? What are you going to do in the goo? What's your attitude going to be? Because right now I feel like a little bit like I'm in goo. It feels like I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet, but I can't stay here. I'm in the goo. And 
I get to decide what this goo does for me. Is it going to be a positive experience? Is it going to be a negative experience? Am I going to try to swim backwards in it and eventually just kind of like sink in and drown? Or am I going to go with the current, allow myself to kind of swim in the goo, embrace the messiness of it, and then see what that evolution evolution is on the other side? And that's the real beauty of this card in the center of the death line is that like, you're not what you were. You have a memento of it, right? That wheel from the chariot, from life. You have that anchor with you, but you are becoming something else. And there's such a beauty in that that I think that we really miss when we start to really just focus in on, was it good luck or was it bad luck? Am I, are good things coming my way or bad things? Am I winning a microwave or am I winning negative $10,000 in my bank account? You just can't go there with it. I will also say that one time I pulled this card in the reverse about it and I was like, hey, what's going to happen this week? And I pulled the wheel in reverse and one of my tires popped on my car. So take that for what it is worth. <laughs> um, I, I, I really love the Wheel of Fortune. It is a card that people get and they're most likely they're like, <laughs> they'll, I'll have uh, somebody call me and they'll be like, or email me, Jacqueline, I have a question. I pulled the Wheel of Fortune and I'm really confused about it. And, and I'll just be like, good. Yeah, you're supposed to be. The wheel is confusing. Not only is it like visually confusing and a mishmash of like a thousand different mythologies and religions, it's also just confusing because you are, you are mishmashed. You are goo. You're, it's supposed to be confusing. And the idea here is that you embrace that confusion and figure out what am I going to do in the goo? Very rarely do you pull this card and think to yourself, okay, I fully understand because <laughs> you're just not supposed to. It's full of mystery. It's full of riddles. There's a literal sphinx on the top of it. It's full of riddles. The idea here isn't to try to have everything figured out. It's supposed to be in this full circle moment of, okay, I don't know. What can I do in the goo? And, and, and so if you're journaling right now, I highly encourage you just putting, what do I do in the goo? I would just uh, write that down. Um, yeah, that's the wheel of fortune. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where I pull a card for the collective reading and I'm going to level with you guys right now is that I lost my other tarot deck. I don't my the one that I've been using for like eight years. I don't know where I don't know where it is. I ain't got nothing. I don't know where it is. Even a tiny bit. Do I know where that where, where it is? So I got to I got to find it. But what we're going to do is I'm going to throw this other deck, this brand new deck of Smith Rider weight cards around. And we got the reverse eight of swords. So the reverse eight of swords, um, again, eights are a number of transformation. I want, I, I recently had somebody ask me a question. They were like, I know that you said that eights are a number of like full transformation, but I do not in fact feel transformed, nor do I feel like I have any idea what I am doing. And I was supposed to have known that in a seven. And I was like, Ooh, I should better explain. So sevens are sometimes the self-realization here is just knowing what you don't know. Just knowing that you don't know things. Boom. Self-control, self-realization. Ah, uh, shit. I don't know as much as I thought that I did about that thing. I was wrong. I was very, very, very wrong. <laughs> and that's okay. So the Eight of Swords here kind of tells the story about this person who is okay where they're at. They're okay in the not knowing, but they're also not afraid of the knowing. They're not like looking scared of surrounded by these swords. They're just kind of like, I have the ability to get myself out of the situation. I have the ability to to stay here and stay blind to something or let it affect, not let it affect me. Or in the case of like getting to know things, you have the ability to cut yourself free from your personal restraints and allow yourself to soak in some information, even if it's hard. And I think here, that's kind of the message, you know, a very oftentimes, and this isn't even me just talking about current events. This is me talking about a lot of things. Like I am a person 
by nature that my husband will talk about astrology and he'll be like, oh, we're coming through some tough transits. And I'll look at him and I will say, absolutely shut the fuck up right now. Do not tell me. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know because I know myself well enough to know that I will ruminate. So for some people, that card's going to be this. Stop obsessing over the things you cannot control. Stop obsessing over them. Work through it. Be in the goo. For other people, this is going to talk about things like, hey, you can't stay blind to this forever. You just can't. For some people, it's going to be, I can't just stand here and take this for the rest of my life. I have to do something. For some people, it is going to be current events. I can't ignore this anymore. For some people, it's going to be the realization that they can't stay in a relationship or a job or a house or a space or a mindset. For some people, this is going to be, you know what, like I'm intentionally keeping myself still and small. Why? That's that's this card. It's it's inviting you to look in about look into yourself and use that awareness you got in the seven to consider where you are, where you need to go and what you're doing. What is healthiest for you? What are you doing simply for your own self-preservation that in that is in no way helping anybody else? Is your own self-preservation worth more than bringing awareness to something that's important? Or is it asking you to be like, hey, you've been doing way too much. You've been doing way, way, way too much. You are people pleasing at your booty hole. You need to ask yourself what you need. This this card holds so many different like levels and it's up to us to kind of sit down and like really consider, really consider that. It's also asking us to go inside and know that we can trust ourselves for answers. It's asking us to go internally and to close our eyes and to think to ourselves, can I actually do this myself? Um, I am a person who like the, a very microchasm example of what I just said there is that very often Gabe and I will go out to eat and I will narrow down to two different entrees that I want, but I can't decide because I'm a Libra rising. So I'll look at my husband and I'll go, these are the two things I'm thinking of. What do I want? And he'll look at me and he'll try to help me decide. And then I'm like, no, no, no. And at the end of the day, I just need to like close my eyes and like actually ask myself what the fuck I want. What do I want? And now this is a very microcosm example, but this is, you know, it can be bigger things like, do I want to stay in this relationship? Do I want to stay in this job? Do I want to cut my hair? I mean, that's a small example too, but you know what I mean? Like you have more answers than you think you have. You don't have to ask for everybody's input about everything. Sometimes you do, you are the one that knows yourself best and it's okay to give yourself permission to make a decision without anybody commenting their perception of it. A very, again, a very microcosm example is you sitting there and you wanting to dye your hair or cut your hair. So you ask everybody around you, would I look good in this? Would I look good with bangs? Would I look good blonde? Would I look good blah, 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 blah. And when in reality, it doesn't fucking matter what anybody else thinks you look good in. You need to go into yourself and ask yourself, is this something I want to do? Have I been wanting this for a while? It's just hair. What would it hurt to try? And you can apply that to a lot of different things. But I think this is the card that's serving us um, in the next interim amount of weeks before I get the time and the energy to create another podcast episode. Um, I love you all. Thank you so much. I would also like to point out that we, in fact, did, I'm like middle fingering the camera. We did, in fact, beat the, um, the battery on my microphone. Should I just keep doing this? And like, we'll just see how long I can be on like one bar battery for podcast episodes. I think it's fun. I think that's fun. Okay. That's all I have to say. Bye. Is that what you're going to call it though? Is that what you're going to call it? Do I get to name it? Stars and shit. Hey everybody, welcome to Stars and Shit, your dose of astrology with Gabe. 
So firstly, I just have to say I'm glad to be back on. I think we've had a, a I wouldn't say a hiatus, maybe an extra week here and there. Um, Jackie and I have a, kind of a big thing coming and it's taken a lot of our time. So I just appreciate your, you guys as listeners and um, I know that as a as a podcast listener myself, there's a bunch of podcasts that I that I might be expecting or relying on to show up with a in a rhythmic fashion, you know, or either you know every Monday or every day or you know something like that. So I realize we haven't been as on top of it, and it's definitely not for lack of trying. I will say that with what we have coming, um, we should have a lot more time and space to make sure that. Um, we get the rhythm back and get the episodes out when you're expecting them. Also, the quality will just continue to grow and grow and grow. I think Jackie and I have learned a lot recently. So, um, let's get into it. This section or segment, for those of you who may be new, is, is my section to talk about astrology for a minute. And I've decided to tie it back to tarot a little bit better than I have in the past. I think before I was just talking about some transits in the way that maybe an astrology podcast would do. Um, I listen to a lot of astrology podcasts and I take a lot of that content in and I was like, I can totally do this. But I, I realize we're all tarot readers here. So that's what I want to take it back there. So something that I, that I think I'm going to continue to do is tie in something called the Deccans. Uh, just to explain what those are quickly, um, which I'll do probably quickly at every, uh, at the beginning of every episode because they're not really a well-known part of astrology from its like basic standpoint. So I just want you guys to understand exactly what is going on when I tie in a Deccan. And um, if you can imagine the astrological circle, the chart, being 360 degrees, the Deccans are a division of the circle in 10 degree segments. So there are 36 Deccans. Um, there are three decans per each zodiac sign because there are 12 zodiac signs, so on and so forth. And there is a tarot card that represents each decan. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think that ties Jackie and I's interests together really well. So I want to bring that in and um, and just keep that going a little bit because I did that a while back and I think it went really well. So what I'll do is I'll talk about some astrology that's happening in the future and talk about how the astrology is is portraying the message, how you can symbolize that, and then drag it through a couple cards, the cards of the decans where the planets are going to be located. And then we can maybe dive a little bit deeper. And part of this effort is I really am curious as to how and why of the decans. And so a lot of this is me is a, is a study session for me and continuing my learning as well as um, sharing it with you. Let's just um, dive into some symbolic mystical shit. So we have a full moon in Virgo coming through on February 24th at the same time as a Venus square in Jupiter. Um, this will be the, the full moon is earlier in the day, and Venus is later in the day. And then three days later, we have Mars, which is right on Venus's coattails here, also running into the square with Jupiter. Um, the square is 90 degrees 
between each planet. So Jupiter is over there in Taurus, Venus and Mars are in Aquarius, and then the full moon is in Virgo. So that's a lot going on. Um, what does this mean from an astrological perspective? On our Patreon, I, I type out, and, I, and I'm trying to get better at this as well, but I type out a little forecast which shows all the transits, a few things and themes that you can look out for. And I started writing this little visual of, of a way to visualize just the archetype and how you can portray this from an earthly perspective rather than um, just looking at all of the themes or significations. Um, and what I wrote was, a worker tills the landscape, executing the plans for the garden's perfect design. So I really liked that idea because it embodies all of the significations of this, which um, what I came up with there was searching for Eden within the earthly material details. So these are some things to look out for in the, the 24th, I believe, is a Saturday. The 27th is going to be the Tuesday. Searching for Eden within the earthly material details. Do you believe dreams realized, action and toil, making big decisions and quickly, making decisions quickly and committing. Um, this is the Mars-Jupiter. Um, choices and their limitations. Does it look like you thought it would? Or it adds character. Can you love the imperfections? So all of those tie all those planets together in some of those aspects. Um, I won't get into too much of that astrology there, but to hone in on and, and expand, we're, we're talking about a tough part of the creative process. And I'm a creative person, and I think in that way um, what I do for a living, and I'm also a musician. And so the creative process is something that I'm very familiar with. And there, there are different kinds of ideas is, is something that I have come to know. There are youthful ideas, maybe is one way to think about them, which are ideals that live outside of reality. And I'm not saying that they're bad at all. They are fantastic. They're, they're the ideas of perfection and the perfect society or, or, or the, the perfect... The perfect song, the perfect guitar part, the you know, the perfect execution of your pottery skills, and without flaw. So, um, another type of idea might be a little bit more matured, you could say, more practical, earthly, and aware of like what is possible or what you yourself, if you're working, just if you're doing something yourself, if you're a painter, what are you capable of? And how do you bring that to life? Um, so that's a question of limitations. What can you do? What can you not do? And knowing that takes experience. It takes years. It takes practice. And at the end of the day, both these, this perfect ideal, youthful idea and the, and the one executing the matured idea, they may achieve the same actual thing. The difference could be how they feel about it.
are you disappointed when it's not exactly what you hoped for or, or, or was it, you know, or how close it was to your vision? Um, you know, maybe the person who was more matured came up with something that was closer to their vision and, you know, maybe they, it's because they knew the right places where they could water it down. You know, I, I, I think about myself in writing songs, like I'm, you know, I'm not the greatest musician in the world. Who, who am I kidding? I'd love to be able to sit here and, you know, say that I'm a, a virtuoso at something, but I'm not. I just, I just like to do it and I have a lot of practice doing it. Um, so I have to, I have to realize my vision based on what I know about my own, and I wouldn't even say limitations. I would just say my abilities and the skill level that they're at. And I like to improve all the time as we all do. So keeping that in mind, your vision is going to change. And with that practice, with that realization of the reality, as you're growing, your ideal can also change. So, some other themes here are the work that it takes to get to that point. I believe that this is one of, that this cycle is where you're working on that. You're working on that skill. Are you setting yourself up for failure? Are your ideals too lofty? <laughs> um, and do you need to be careful of these ideals falling short so that you don't put yourself out or put someone else out who's depending on you? And also, I think, lastly, consider that this full moon might be like the voice of reason in a way, like, like an old crone type wisdom letting us know but the, you know this that crone could also sound a lot like a buzzkill to to the dreamer you know or like a non-believer and you might hear that type of thing and cast aside or like just completely devalue them not listen to them like no this is this is my way this is my idea it's perfect it's awesome i'm going to do it and anyone who says otherwise can fuck off you know so, and I definitely had that idea with like my music and my music career over the years and I've learned, uh, learned a lot of things, you know, how many times, how many times have we all learned this lesson whenever we have an idea and we try to make something happen and then, you know, you're in woodshop class and your clock's all crooked, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, well, I guess I have some practicing to do, you know, does that, does that smash you completely or do you go, okay, does this inspire me that's how we're looking at the beginning of that week and that's again that's a combination of the full moon of virgo um venus square jupiter and mars squaring jupiter um and i wanted to look at the decans real quick so we have the full moon happening in uh, within the first 10 degrees of virgo which gives us the eight of pentacles and we have Venus in Mars in the first 10 degrees, of, 10 degrees of Aquarius, representing the Five of Swords. And then we have Jupiter up within the first 10 degrees of Taurus, representing the Five of Pentacles. So we've got two fives here. Fives are, um, as Jackie teaches them, quite often contractions. Um, which also makes sense because they are both in a square with each other, which is also a contractive angle in astrology. Um, so um, you could 
foresee, you know, some some difficulty, some, you know, the the image on on the five of pentacles is two people with crutches in rags in the snow walking past a, a church um, with the pentacles as the window. And in the five of swords, you have um, a swords person um, with two enemies that um, you could say um, were bested and and they're holding all of the swords. Um, so the, the five of pentacles might be saying something Something needs your full attention. Something has been neglected for too long. Something has built up to a head, and it is now time. It, it is now time. Um, something, something needs to happen. And um, the five of swords here might be saying something like, "We might be taking some of our effort out. Um, like, how does this affect others?" How does our actions um, in seeing after whatever we need to see after, how does this affect others? Um, Aquarius is, is very much about others. Um, Aquarius is opposite Leo in, in, in the zodiac signs, and that is a very intentional um, pairing and opposition um, because Leo is a whole lot about the self, um, about ego, and Aquarius is about um, ego as well, but it's about the other side of the egoic spectrum where you dispel it a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> and so this is asking and begging the question, what do we deserve? Now, the last card that we have is the Eight of Pentacles, which um, is represented by the full moon in Virgo. Now the moon doesn't spend a whole lot of time in this degree, so this is pretty much a one-day transit. The other Venus and Mars and Jupiter, the other cards um, that we talked about are, are, are longer-term questions. So those may have been questions that you've been asking for uh, a, little bit, a little bit longer. Also because Pluto is right there, um, right there in the first degrees of Aquarius as well. Um, so these are these are questions that have been asked by several by several planets, um, not to complicate things. But um, Virgo, this very this very short term on on Saturday on the weekend, is is a little bit more more prideful and upbeat, where it's are are you proud, or can we be proud? Proud enough to have the confidence to to do what is needed to execute the dream to make the dream come true to the best of your ability and and really just taking you know taking the wheel yourself away from Jesus <laughs> like don't let Jesus take the wheel here take it yourself that's what i think this card is saying is take it into your own hands and um and do your best and to do it with pride so um the last thing that i wanted to go over here is Another little transit that comes in uh, after all of these transits, and it's a kind of a nice, I think it's a beautiful transit, and I don't say that lightly. Um, it is a Mercury Kazemi in a conjunction with Saturn. Uh, Mercury Kazemi is when the Sun and Mercury come together, which is a, a, a clarifying transit, a cleansing transit, a cleansing of mind and understanding. Um, 
And in a conjunction with Saturn, you're talking about boundaries. And not, not boundaries in that you can't see further. It's, it's just the question of boundaries, more like where are the boundaries, which includes going past them. Um, that's one thing that Saturn is, especially in modern astrology, but Saturn is often confused as the boundary when it's not the boundary. It's, it represents the boundary, but it also re represents going past them. Um, so I wonder if there's an expansion of emotional intelligence here. We're going to be over in Pisces with this. So Mercury Kazemi conjunct Saturn in Pisces. Pisces is a, is a deep trend, um, is a deep zodiac sign also about idealism. I didn't even mention that the sun is going to be in Pisces the whole time, so we're just in total bright and shiny idealism um, with Pisces. Um, so I, I have emotional intelligence, withholding thoughts and complicated feelings, contemplation, honoring, remembering, reflecting on how far we've come, death, grief, processing, hard feelings, and deciding how to feel. So I see it as like a really big expansion and learning moment. I, I don't really see it as like a, you know, a Saturn is going to keep you from learning something. I, I feel like there is a big lesson um, and something that you will learn about yourself or about your situation or whatever you might be going through um, that will bring some enlightenment in, in a profound way. You can't always promise that it's good or bad. That's sort of relative when it comes to astrology, but... Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's all aimed at growth. Let's say that. Um, I also had one more thing on my, um, on my forecast here, and this was a tarot reading prompt, and this is something to do at around this time, because I like to look at transits like this and kind of plan out, like, if I think now what, about what I might want to learn and then do a reading on the day that it's happening and really try and understand the, the astrological symbolism at the same time. It really helps me not take these for granted, but also, you know, just learn a lot and delve straight into the energy. Um, my prompt was, this is a good time to find a moment to sit and think without any distractions and let your thoughts wander. Explore your feelings and your body. Examine how they all work together and how they conflict all contributing to who you are now. Tarot can help you put words and images to those feelings and root them in your understanding. And so I wrote here, um, for me, draw three cards. And not any fancy spreads, not a, you know, not a, a, a giant long journal entry to follow, maybe just a, maybe just a few cards to, to clarify a, a, to simplify. I think that would be key here, is to find something simple to draw from it. So that's all I've got. I hope you guys enjoyed that and enjoyed the integration of the Deccans, which brings tarot into this. Um, these are cards that we might see soon because Jupiter doesn't move very quickly and is about to conjoin Uranus, so um, they'll be in a similar Deccan, and we'll be talking about the, the Five of Pentacles maybe again. Uh, maybe it'll move on to maybe it'll move on to the six of pentacles by then. But anyway, thanks for sticking around. Um, last announcement here: if you stuck around this far, thanks a lot for listening. Um, also, you probably won't hear from us again for another, I would say, two to three weeks.
Um, Jackie and I, I don't know if she mentioned it in her episode yet. We recorded this at separate times. I'm about to edit. Um, but we're, we're moving. And, um, and I will have the studio in, in shambles very soon. And, um, and so we, once I get the studio back up and running, which will be very quickly because I'll be starting to work from home, um, and I'll need, I'll need to set up my computer and I'll just, you know, get everything going. Um, and then the podcast will resume. Um, but like I said, we're moving to have a little bit more time and space, hopefully for stuff like this, awaken, excuse me, awaken tarot is a big part of our lives. We've appreciated you all through this journey, especially for those of you who've stuck around for a long time and grown with us. Um, we're hoping to bring you to bring you as much as possible. So thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.